We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You actually enjoyed when you said you waited tables, like breaking through the, the A-holes a little bit? Right. Yes. <laughs> Yes, but, but what do you th- what do you think it is about like what did you enjoy most when you said that you waited tables when, and how long ago was it when you, when you was your high school job was it a post high school job? Um, so I came and it was it was a long it was like a long sorted tale, but I I did it in college and I then I did it in uh, what type of a place did you wait tables at Italian steakhouse Italian steak- and it was funny because I was like one of uh, there. So it's a little complicated. It's a family-owned place, but they have a multiple different places, and mm-hmm. including all all over. And I'm from New York, so Syracuse, Rochester, uh, the home of Albany. Dinosaur Barbecue. Everyone knows Dinosaur Barbecue. It's sort of like yeah, it's 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 similar. It's very similar <laughs> in in the organization to Dinosaur Barbecue. And so I, but it was most of the people there were women. So I was like one of the the I was one of the guys. And so, but I went through. And I, I went, I must've done it for three years. And then I went to law school and we were joking before we started recording that the, my education as being a server was better than it was being uh, as a lawyer. Uh, just why, because why though? Why do you think so? You learn to communicate with people. You know what I mean? Like you learn in law school to not how to not communicate with people typically. And it's, you're, you make these weird, I don't know, automatons that come out of law school and you're just like, you know, you know like it's it's just a it's just a very automated non-creative place you know there's there's a couple guys over at rotowire a couple of the founders that you know yeah. that were lawyers and they said yeah. what they tell you in law school is 90 percent of it is filing papers that it's yeah. not what you see on tv growing it's not perry mason i know that's a dated no. reference but no it's certainly not that at all no and plus like you you don't teach a lot of the stuff that i le- i mean we could do a whole thing i'm not going to bore people but a lot of the ethical stuff this that is- you learn that's really tough it's not it's not it has nothing to do with being uh it has nothing to do with what you learn in law school you know what i mean mm-hmm. a lot of the decisions that you face are, are about the quality of the person that you are and not about uh you know not about anything that you could teach in law school i mean i can tell you you know the the, the hard decisions that i made I, I was not prepared in law school for i was prepared in law <laughs> and for those decisions through making decisions or through 
you know, just, just trying to, to be a good person. It, it had very little to do with any legal training that I had. And that's the hard stuff, you know, but so it's funny, like now I, we were joking that like, now I don't, cause I, I was saying before, like we recorded, I'm like a terrible lawyer. I'm more of like, what I do is not I don't view myself as being a good lawyer. I view myself as like trying to communicate with people, which I think is a totally different skill. And, um, well, it's a negotiation. Well, yeah. It's a negotiation, sure. you know, yes. and it's, you know, most, I mean, most cases don't go to court, right? You have to communicate with the other party and to mm -hmm. come to a resolution. So yep. there, there is a connection there. Yeah, there is, there is. And it's funny because I had to do my, literally today is my due date for, because you have like 30 days after your, your birthday every two years to submit your continuing legal education. So I'd like to cram them in because I'm, again, <laughs> So, yeah, so I'm getting them. I'm meeting the deadline, uh, but I had to cram them in. I was like, all right, let's do like I have to do like ten of these things. So what do I need to do? And I was like, all right, let's see what applies to Dynasty. So I was taking like, you know, agent law and like negotiations and you know all sorts of other you know all sorts of other fun things that it didn't really work. I didn't find any. I didn't find any. I didn't find my Dynasty Jesus in those classes. <laughs> you you know what's interesting though is you can use those skills. Um, you know, the communication, arguing skills in trades, things mm -hmm. like that, because mm -hmm. I, I still think that one of the hardest things to do uh, in seasonal in redraft leagues is trade, but it's a lot easier to execute trades because of the chasm in values. Uh, yeah. Do you still play a little bit of redraft here and there just to keep in the streets? I do. I do play a little redraft and I'll tell you, I've noticed one thing that uh, you hit it right in the head. Like you use the skills that you you're trained in. Right. And so like I have seen a whole bunch of I, as part of when I started analytics at Dynasty, I did strategy sessions with people. And one of the things that I, I started and I still do them, but that was like one of the things that I offered as part of like buying pre-ordering a book was a strategy session. And I noticed something really quickly about people which was I saw the world differently than a lot of people did. And people saw it differently than I did. We could come together and say, Hey, here's like some general rules and stuff, but di different people would play the game differently. And it was all, we all played mo a lot of the, the differences were what we did for a living because it mm. frames how you think about it. Right. I, as a trader, if I'm, if it's redraft or if it's dynasty, it's not like, it's not particularly emotional. It's very clinical. It's like, all right, I need to accomplish this, this, and this. Cause that's what I do from, you know, nine to five, right. That's what, if I'm looking at a case or whatever, that's, that's what I do. Right. That's, that's my, that's what I, that's how my mind operates in its normal state. It's the same thing in dynasty. Whereas you see people that are, you know, that, that have played football or coach football. Like I have some subscribers that coach football. They see the game much differently. You know, they see, they see it much differently. I have people that are, uh, you know, that are in finance, they see it differently in terms of what they're just looking at, at uh, asset acquisition, where I'm looking at trying to get productive. Like, it's a very different what you're what you're trying to accomplish or how you go about trying to accomplish winning becomes very different based on what you do. So it's a really interesting. And I think if you take a self-reflective look, it'll open up like, hey, here's some opportunities I might be able to exploit. And hey, here's some weaknesses that I know. I think it's a really interesting thing that I found talking with people about dynasty and fantasy football in general. Yeah. So I, I'm going to start with a hot take here because your, sure. your podcast is basically the analytics, uh, you know, you, you analytics based, your website's the analytics of dynasty, yep. but I would, my hot take is that your podcast really focuses on the psychology of dynasty. And Ooh, I think okay. that, 
that is the edge. And of course, analytics is your baseline. Yeah. But what I what I think is really uh, why I became a, a consumer of your content is because uh, your th- this is two hundred one, three hundred one, four one. This is not okay. Dynasty one hundred one. And the psych- By the way, you know what I was just thinking about if people are tuning in right now, they're like. They- they're like, what happened to Chad? Like, I, this is like, I'm like a bizarro looking. Like, <laughs> I, I was just thinking that because I watch and I'm used to seeing you on the other side. Yeah, so yeah. anyway, no, that's funny. My, that's funny. My, I didn't even my, think about that. Right. My point. fans, yeah. you know, whatever, our, yeah, yeah. our podcast, no big deal. But, you know, anyway, back to uh, so and I think no better uh, way to illustrate um the psychology and how you zero in on that, then the, uh, the poll that you always reference about mm. what's most important thing, or what do you love about dynasty? And mm. what was it? Just review that poll. And then uh, just dig into that a little bit about the, the, the number of people that actually don't prioritize winning. Yeah. There, there was a poll that someone put out and it was, it was basically what, why, you know, what's your favorite part of dynasty? And the, the options were like winning, uh, building long-term teams, trading. You know, acquiring trading and acquiring rookie picks, and thirty-seven percent of people, which was actually the most common response, but thirty-seven percent of people said, I think it was thirty-seven percent, just over a third, said uh, said winning. And I was like, wait a second, what are we doing? What are we doing here? And so, and you'll notice this. Like, this is the funny part is, is I never, again, that didn't, again, holes in my game, that never dawned on me. Right. That, the, the idea of playing something with an intention of doing something other than winning as my, as what I was trying to accomplish was totally foreign to me. That wasn't what I was, I play this game because I want to win it. Right. Other people are playing it because they want to, you know, they want to watch rookie videos, right? They want to study stuff like that. Like, the, and it's that was a hole in my game that I wasn't necessarily appreciating because it, when you're looking at a trading partner, we're not looking at the same thing, right? If you find someone that's viewing the game differently, you're not viewing a trade the same way, you're viewing it actually differently. And there's a lot of opportunity to accomplish that. But for me, like that, that has become something that I've really leaned into. And it's a lot of that experience, that that pull, and then sort of realizing that the fallout of that has really impacted how I play Dynasty. Because what I think we find is if you're in a league with 12 teams, so you're one of 12, and you've made the decision like, I'm going to play to win the game, right? You might not necessarily have the best game team, but you're like, I'm going to play this out, right? I'm going to play. My goal this year is to go and win as much as I can win you're really only competing with maybe eight or nine other teams, right? In any given league. And, and this is going to be especially true this year. I was going to say like six or seven, but okay. Yes. Well, let's, right. let's, let's say that it's, you know, eight or nine. Fine. I'm being generous. Right. <laughs> I'm being, because like, and, and people will say like, and that has really influenced how I've played. Uh, and it's been very different than maybe I played. If I were to sort of go back five years ago, I don't necessarily know if Jordan from five years ago would recognize Jordan from now because mm. I I play the game differently because I think that there's stuff that we've realized about the market that's really exploitable. Uh, and so one of the things is like it, it, there are, and I think in any given year, maybe eight or nine teams trying to compete. This year, it's going to be even less because people are so talking up this 2023 class. They want to have early picks. Mm. They want to sell veterans for 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 picks they want to pick early and you're going to be in a situation where there's really two things going on there's two different distinct competitions one is for the pot of money or the pot whatever right the championship at the end the the, the 
the belt, whatever it is. And then the other one is actually for, for the top picks. And you're going to see a, 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 a chasm in your leagues where people are trying to accomplish two different things. And each week that it's going to open up even more. Like by yes. week, people are going to throw in the towel, the white towel at, at, in uh, week four. Totally. And that's, and that's, that's something that, again, you, you said something earlier that, that strikes, that does strike home. And like a lot of what we do is psychology. It's not even necessarily the numbers. Like you can't put a number on that, but that's something that we could see, you know, just subjectively and sort of, uh, you know, not necessarily quantitatively, but qualitatively, you just kind of, you know, see some of these things and you're like, these trends can really be exploited uh, and, and we can really benefit because if you're competing if you're trying to make the playoffs, right? I say once you get in the playoffs, it's really random, right? There's a lot of stuff that goes on that's random shots. You can you can DFS your way in the playoffs, like hey, 100%. who are the who are the DFS guys min salary that's on the waiver wire that I could stick, right? Something like 100%. that. Hundred percent. And if you build your team with that with some of that stuff in mind, you know, like I, I build. I build my teams with the hope that when I, when push comes to shove, that I have the type of assets on my team that can weigh out kick what, what I expect of them, right. That they can outkick their coverage guys like Daryl Williams last year, right. Guys like guys that are, it's, it's a lot of different things going on. You're playing for the long term, but really it's a week to week game. And so what I have, what I do is I treat, different parts of my roster differently mm. uh, at the top of my roster. I'm trying to accomplish elite assets. Like, give me as many elite assets as I can get. I'll figure out fit later on. I'll figure out my lineup stuff later on, but just give me as the the best and most elite player, as many elite players as I can get. And I'll worry about the rest of it later. What percentage of your portfolio, your team would be, I mean, obviously you want hundred percent to be elite, but what's realistic. Sure. Um, you know, you've been in the league a few years. What percentage of that roster should be elite players? So I actually went through and I did a I did a, a study uh, for a for AOD for Analytics of Dynasty in 2022, and I have the uh, I did something that I call the the hierarchy of assets, and so that is basically a you're we're, we're essentially looking at at what types of players you have on your team and so i start with at the top of the you know it looks kind of like a pyramid and if you've ever watched the um the show parks and recreation there's this ron swanson pyramid of greatness and that's <laughs> i stole the idea from from that um and, but it's a hierarchy of assets and it's looking at you know basically and there's some odd stuff in it right there's some of that stuff it's it's a lot odds based but but generally speaking i try to categorize each type of player and so i look at the top quarterbacks are super what i call super max quarterbacks i stole the super max label from the nba um, not stole it i borrowed it um and then there's star players that are after that and that might be the next like 20 to 25 and then you get like some core guys after that which is basically fleshes out kind of like your top 60 guys so right. every week look- starters no problem like you're putting them in your lineup in in 80 of the weeks Those type yes of- yeah and, and a lot of it becomes like all right well what's the um you know if we're looking at uh, it's a lot of odds right so it's a lot of this person's adp sort of suggests like here's what their odds of success are in the future that's kind of what it is. And so you start looking at it. And for example, like, I think I'm just grabbing them here. I think there's probably, uh, I don't know, let's say 20 to 25 of those star guys. If I can get four or five of them, like I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Like that's sort of my goal. Um, so basically like yeah. four, four top 36 guys, probably maybe even like tw- top 30 guys, right? 
if I can do that, yeah, I'm in really good shape. Three of them, I'm usually I'm usually in pretty good shape, but four of them, you know, is is a team that we're probably contending with. And what the crazy part is, and this is what people like, I just saw this yesterday where someone traded Deshaun Watson and Kyle Pitts, and maybe I think Delvin Cook was in the deal as well. And they were like, well, I can't contend long term. And I said, <laughs> well, you just traded away two top 30 guys. And and one that's probably and I don't know where Cook would be top fifty, right? Like, like Dal- Dalvin Cook is I think is still you look at the redraft ranks he goes right. in the first round so he's a you know right 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 and so you you have some concerns dynasty wise like long term with him I get it but you just traded away two absolutely premium assets for picks again I I I like picks but that is the. Uh, that's the epitome of like, that's treating a, a, the fact that you think you have an ear infection coming on by cutting off your leg, right? <laughs> you, that is, that is, that is, you're worried that, oh, Dalvin Cook might go down in price. So I got to get it out in front of that. And by doing it, you just, you've like, all right, I got to amputate my leg because I have this ear infection coming on. Yeah, it's and, just, and by you got to be picks, careful about doing that stuff. Yeah. Picks are like, you know, the, the crack cocaine of dynasty, like yes. it gives the people the quick high, uh, you know, they overpay for them. And then after they make the pick they're they just need another one anyway. And they need, right. you know, so right. they're Jones and ready. It's, you know, but totally. I think a lot of people suffer from, you know, we've talked, uh, you guys have talked about sexy roster syndrome. Mm-hmm. They want to take a look at their roster and, you know, they look at all these nice young players. I, I referenced it in an article I wrote for the Rotowire magazine. I, I credited you guys with, with talking about that a lot. Uh, and then what happens is week one comes and the reality, you know, y- you end up with more Denzel Mimses mm-hmm. than you do Amon Ross St. Browns uh, by collecting these rookie picks. Totally. And yeah. You know, the, the part like it's a it's a delicate balance. And I used to be a big into rookie picks. And one of the things that's really well, they're fun. Liber, liberated is the right word. But I've understood more and more about what they what rookie picks. And this is, I think, a, a, and I actually tweeted this last night. Rookie picks aren't rookie picks are a means to an end. Right. Rookie picks are something that you get to make your team better. Too many people treat rookie picks as the end. Right, which is, hey, I need to accumulate all these so I can have them all, right, so I can use them all. Right, and that's been something for me that that I've gone through a little bit, you know. And I just, I actually just did a, um, I, I was going back through some stuff, and this is actually my tenth year, tenth year playing Dynasty, my ten year anniversary, my first rookie pick, my first happy anniversary, season. Jordan. It's in two weeks, so yeah. I've been preparing some content to go along with it. But I did a, a sort of a. Uh, you know, as sort of a reflection thing, I did the the AOD new GM guide, right? It's just a guide for people that are new to Dynasty, want to get into Dynasty. Um, there's some stuff there that if you've played for a while that you can that can help you too, right? It, but there's it, a, it, blocking but, and tackling stuff, right? It gets it, you, it renews your fundamentals. Totally, totally. Yeah. But go, I mean, and it's free, so you can go to AOD. You can get, you can check it out. It's linked it. in this video, by the way. And if you're yeah. listening to this, most people listen to this on the podcast rather than sure. the video. I, I'll put it in there too when I post it. But yeah, yeah. it's analyticsofdynasty.com it's in the uh, video description link so just go yeah. there when you're done listening yeah and so it, it's and it's free and it's it has some content and stuff that i've used in other books and and some other stuff uh, but it's really like meant to uh to help people uh you know try to make i've learned i've made a lot of mistakes along the way and what i want to do is to try and help people not make those mistakes and i've i've joked that the aod is basically i made a bunch of mistakes and it's me 
sort of atoning for them and figuring out ways that like, <laughs> Hey, here's what, why this was wrong. And it's a lot of pattern stuff, right? It's a lot of, it's a lot of pattern stuff of like, don't do, when you see this happen, don't do it again. Uh, one of the, one of the things that I would, um, that, that I learned from is like, this is probably a down class, right? 20 depending on how you measure it. Right. I, I don't think it's that bad. I don't either, pick- by the way. I, I'm with you. I like 22. I like yeah. the depth of it. I like totally. I've never been as happy picking at 11 in my life. Right. And so here's the funny part. And this is the thing that I that that cracks me up about this is like I was doing some study of my picks and I had actually drafted. Um, so I am usually Mr. Heavy on picks. Right? I usually make a lot more picks than than I get. I'm, I'm constantly trying to turn picks. But this year I made, and this is the first time this has ever happened, and this is by far, but I made 0.54 picks per first round. Okay, uh, so on uh, on every, you have about a pick every other first round. Yes. About. Right, which is absolutely abnormal, right? Well, what did I do? Well, we zigged, we we got kind of aggressive, right? And and I I play in a lot of tight end premium leagues. Listen, I'm going to use my picks this year to make, uh, make plays in tight end premium leagues. Right. I'm going to use my picks this year to make plays at quarterback. Mm. I'm going to use my right. And I'm going to use and, and I can, you know, again, I'm I was dealing from depth because I typically have a lot of them. Right. I might have had one point two, one point three per league, but I'm going to use them. So preemptively. Can, I you, can I ask you something? So, yeah. like, for example, normally in a normal year, you would just make, you know, you would take your best player available. But when you're in your two tight end league or your tight end premium league at one ten, you're going to consider a Trey McBride type. I wouldn't have this year because I was going to use that. Like I would have my play and generally, yes, my play would have been this year though, to, to use that pick and, and put it in a package to get a Goddard. That was my, Mm. that I came out of like January, February studying some stuff. And I was like, if I can get, if I can give a mid first or a late first in a package where that's like the best thing and get Goddard, right? I'm doing that a hundred times out of a hundred. You know, it's funny. So, so, but, I, so yes I, about McBride, but, but this year was di- like, he'll, he'll be in play at that. But this year the play was definitely Goddard. For me at that price. Yeah. I, this is something that I think that you guys talk about a lot that a lot of dynasty players miss. And they're always thinking about how can I cash out my player for picks? You see it all the time on message boards. Yes. What's player X worth in picks. But what I like about what you do, and I want you to continue your thought. I interrupted you, but I want you to also hit on this is the the trading philosophy, the mindset of taking pick, adding two player to get to the next tier. I mean, right. that's the only way to acquire a Pat Mahomes, right? It's the only way to acquire. And you just talked about Dallas Goddard. I was shooting for the moon, but it's the way to get, you know, to Najee Harris from Nick Chubb or whoever, you know, your next tier down is. So, and just real quick, I just want to let everybody know this podcast is brought to you by Dynasty Owner. I was supposed to say that in the beginning, but here we go. We'll, we'll, uh, so yeah, continue on with your thought about what you were talking about, about the depth of this class and how you're using that to your advantage. And then also the Dynasty strategy of pick to player rather than cashing out your chips at the, at the window at the casino. Yeah. And so that's, that's always the thing, right? You, there's always a balance of that too. And you got to be somewhat careful in terms of, I don't, there's some rules that I like in terms of trading picks for players. I don't buy QVC stuff on credit. It's one thing that I think about. I don't like to speculate with future picks. That's mm-hmm. a, that's a lesson that I've learned. Um, and so be careful about doing that. But listen, if you want to pay right now to, to make a bet, make a situational bet, do it right. But don't, don't 
hamstring yourself in the future by doing that, right? There's a give, give an example. Give an example of that. So if you think, for example, well, I don't know that that Damian Harris is going to have like a big season, right? Just pick pick. A well, player. you know what? Let's how about Juju Smith Schuster? Everyone thinks right. he's going to have Great. a good season. Great. If you if you want to pick Juju Smith Schuster, um, there's a couple of ways you could do it, right? You could give a second round pick. I've seen people use Juju Smith Schuster as a player to. I saw two o two for Juju Smith Schuster in two ten. Right, that's insane. Like that's that is that's winning. Dying. If you're getting Juju Smith-Schuster in a move down like that in that range, that's a great deal. So you mean right. that? So that deal, the person went from two two to two ten, and they picked up uh, Juju as the tax. Correct. Right. Yeah. That, that's crazy. Juju that Smith-Schuster does... to trade up into the second round. I'm assuming for probably like a guy like Sky Moore, Jahan Dotson. Right. They right. probably went up to stop that tier, or maybe they did it for Malik Willis um, or someone like that. But that's <laughs> right. again, like that's. You just look at who's making whatever that decision was, right? Which side would you rather be on? Like, there's a reason why that person was probably picking for need there, right? right. Like, that's the funny. That's the funny part about that. Um, so for me, it's very much been like at the first round. Generally, I don't. Like, we have a really hard time picking between wide receivers, especially at the same pedigree. So first round, there's a bunch of them. There's what I think six first round wide receivers this year. For, yeah. Um, there's, there's six of them. There's that six of them. And then there's, yeah. the two, there's, uh, then there's Watson and sky Moore who right. basically are quasi first rounders. Cause they right. were trade, you know? Right. For, yeah. So that's, so then there's, yeah. And then, okay. And then, so that's, that's the six. And then I consider those guys is a tier. So they were eight mm-hmm. trying to sort between them as difficult and we've had a really hard time in dynasty doing that like when you look at the first round of of adp historically it hasn't been or, or the 80 sorry the adp of first round wide receivers it hasn't been predictive of success right and so what does that mean well it means you're largely drawing random which is actually something that happens a lot in the nfl draft too which is people don't re- like there's a lot of randomness and noise in the in, in the outcome uh, and so for me, one of those, one of the lessons from that is don't try and figure it out, just appreciate it and play, right. Just play, assuming that that's true, that we're going to have a really hard time picking between these guys. Cause we know so little about them really. Um, and, you know, and, we, and better, by the way, the great example of that is Josh, Josh Doxson, Sterling Shepard and Will yep. Fuller had higher ADPs than Michael Thomas. Correct. I mean, correct. I mean, Justin Jefferson was the fourth guy off the, off the board in that class, if not closer to five than three, you know, right. I mean, you, you just go back and you look at those things and it's, it's over and over and over again. So I've, I, I, my lesson from that is a couple of things. Don't uh, never trade up for a first round wide receiver is mm-hmm. uh, never trade up for a, a wide receiver in the first round of a rookie draft is lesson one. Um, lesson two is if you can trade down and make that bet later uh, while also adding stuff, if you can make two instead of one, Right. If you can do a slide down where you get Juju Smith Schuster added on and you get the same profile, like that's all stuff that's 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 great. Right. That's stuff that I did uh, that I love to do. Um, and so that's really what I view this class is, is you do that or you use the first round picks to uh, to, to trade them for guys that are good, that and are established players. It's set up perfectly, too, because Jahan Dotson with his first round early first round pedigree mm-hmm. is falling to, you know, you see him go two, 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 three. Yep. So if you're in that one five range and somebody needs to have Garrett Wilson and you yep. pick up two, two plus, you know, whoever that that extra yep. tax is, this is like you said, this lays out perfectly for that strategy. Totally. 
And this is a great, that's why I love the class. Like if, if I wanted to sort of sit and bang at 105, like I wouldn't, I'd hate the class. But if I want to sort of, if I want to apply what we know and what we understand through AOD's research and everything is, this is a great class for that. And then you look at the second, so I've picked 0.54 uh, first round picks per league. Mm-hmm. When you look at the second round, I think it's 1.3. Right. And the third round, it's even more. And again, a lot of those third rounders are concentrated up at the top because what did I want to do? Well, what do we know? Day two running backs are are very useful, whether that's they present upside, uh, whether they present uh, depth options in terms of like an Alexander Madison has been spot starts a couple of times each year. Like that's valuable, even if things don't fully break in his way. Uh, it saves your a, season. Alexander Madison saves your season. Totally. If you totally. have him every year. Totally. Um, except when he plays Atlanta, but that's a story for a totally different day. Um, that uh, uh, we'll talk about it at a different time, but yeah, the, uh, the, uh, um, you were talking about the, the trading down into the, uh, totally. the number of picks you make in, uh, and with so, day two running backs. Yeah. Yeah. So you're taking like, for me, it was Rashad white and Brian Robinson and then, uh, T- TDP, Terry Ter- Ter- Davis price just loading up on them. Right. And that's, I had him in 50% of leagues like that type of just take the you're taking the profiles and Mm -hmm. so this the class set up really well for what's historically successful and so uh, is picking wide receivers in rookie drafts ever a good idea it's typically not you typically it's like if you look at the hit rate for uh for for running backs in the first round of of drafts it's like two-thirds if you look at wide receivers um in in rookie drafts if you look at wide receivers it's like 50 percent maybe um and then you start parsing between some of that and you can get even better at the running back stuff you know just by not taking um you know bad pedigree bets and stuff like that like you can really you you really exploit that and and i think become better and then that's how you build depth too and that's the funny part is like we talked about earlier like do you just trade for stars yes but how do you build depth like you trade 202 for Juju Smith-Schuster and 210, right? Because you're taking the that's, same profile. That's hard to do, though. I mean, that's a great it trade. Is. I, I love that it actually happened, but, yeah. you know, it, yeah, I, it, as the it age is. goes, oh, not, I'd love to be in that league. You always hear people right. say that, you know? So. Totally. It is. But you'd be surprised. Like, yeah. and, and, again, I think depth is an issue of uh, depth isn't you need specific players mm. to fill your depth. You need specific profiles. So I'll give you an example. Uh, you look at you look around and you look at some of the target projections around the NFL. Everyone's souring on on Tyler Lockett right now. You see 120, 125 target produ- projections for Tyler Lockett, and all of a sudden, right, you what might have been a hole at wide receiver, it doesn't matter. You're not taking Tyler Lockett because you want him for five years. You're taking Tyler Lockett because you want to fill a production hole on your team. This year, right. And if you, you can absolutely, like Juju Smith-Schuster is a pie in the sky example of that, but, but Tyler Lockett. You can, you can get that. You can get that done. And and it doesn't, it doesn't matter the name of it. Right. And that's Mm. the big thing for me. It doesn't matter the name of it. It matters or the name of the person. It matters the, the, the quality of, for me at wide receiver, it matters the targets. Right. Give me, give me targets. Right. I want to, I'm literally in a startup draft right now. And I said, my first five wide receivers, I want 500 targets total out of the, out of them mm-hmm. in year one. Right. That's what my goal is. And if that's your goal, instead of trying to be sexy roster syndrome, if your goal is to say, Hey, what do we know that produces right? Targets produce fantasy outcomes. Right. And you can look at the world very differently. You're building stars. It's the, some of the premium positions and then 
taking cheaper guys at, at positions that are more interchangeable. Targets are fungible. It's a it's a very uh, it's a very high end uh, type outcome potential. Yeah, and it's like take the names off the jersey. Just think about it in an analytical, you know, in a in a target projection ways. And I, I was, you know, I always think when you talk about like weaknesses, you know, I was, we're going to talk about weaknesses in Dynasty, and we're also mm-hmm. going to talk about taxi squad stashes in a moment. But let's just quickly take a, a short break for a word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. Have to do it, man. Have to pay the bills. <laughs> you know, so it's the it's the it's the price of uh of of working on a commercial podcast. But uh, yes. I, I'm here with Jordan McNamara. Everybody knows him from his work uh, with Chad on the Football Guys podcast, and the also you guys are moving to a new podcast feed. So I, I'm assuming that a lot of people here uh, consume your podcast, and if you don't. This is one of the podcasts that's in uh, Jordan's podcast is one of the that's in my heavy rotation. You guys are moving over to a new feed. And are you going to have the new podcast feed in on the analytics of dynasty website? Will they be able to get that RSS feed in there? Because I only posted in the video link description, your website thinking that they can get everything there. If not, I will put that in there. So just explain to everybody what's going on with the podcast in two weeks. Yeah. And I'll just, uh, so we have a link for it. You can find all our dynasty, our football guys dynasty show. I put it in the private chat for you. So it's uh, okay. just join.footballguys.com slash dynasty show. I'm going to put probably... that. I'm going to put that in my video description too. When we're done. Yeah, that'll be cool. Um, I should probably put that on the analytics of dynasty. I'll That's what I was thinking because yeah. you know, this way you have one place to send everybody. Yeah. 
you know, and then you don't yeah. say, hey, click this link and then go there. But anyway, you know, yeah, Jordan's okay. podcast, the analytics of Dynasty, a website. Uh, these guys, you know, they think about Jordan specifically thinks about Dynasty in a different way. Uh, it's I'm going to say it's unemotional. Is that a good way to think about it? Unemotional. You have your players, but you think about it from a very, you know, obviously analytics base. But we also talked about the psychology mm. uh, hacks that you do there. And I always think that well, some of the biggest mistakes that people make is, again, overvaluing youth, overvaluing picks. What do you think is the biggest leak in dynasty players' games, even experience, especially experienced dynasty players? It's the roster construction. Uh, it's, ro- it's, it's roster construction. I think when you look at some of the, and I was just going back and looking at some research and we could go back years and years and years and years. And I'm going to, I actually, one of the problems that I've had with AOD is sort of how to treat the fantasy playoffs, because I think, right. If I want to give someone advice on how to improve their teams, I really need to improve their teams in the regular season because you need to get into the, like, you need to get into the playoffs. Right. And so a lot of the concepts that I have like wins over replacement and stuff, it's a measure of regular season production because that's the type of, Hey, listen, if I can get an extra win on my team in the regular season, I can get into the playoffs or I can go from a playoff team to a buy. So one of the things that I've want, and I'm, I'm super excited to get in the post rookie draft season of my schedule, because then I can sort of dive into this, but it's this research project I've been thinking about is like what actually succeeds in, in the playoffs. And the you know you have the famous billy bean quote that was like my shit doesn't work in the playoffs right like <laughs> i i want to sort of see what the what what does work in the playoffs but one of the things that you see is uh i i think generally whether it's in your regular season or whether it's in the in the playoffs is when you get the opportunity to to have a a running back who comes into their lineup and is going to start a Khalil Herbert is the quintessential recent example of that. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And you've got Daryl Williams. You've had Devontae Booker, right? I mean, we Justin can Jackson, just go, you know, Justin Jackson, right? You know, and and you just keep going. I mean, heck, Rashad Penny, right? Like, right. I, again, that's of high course. variance, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> high variance. But again, Madison has been a guy for me that's been this way. And you go back, it's. I mean, my logo for my website is literally Latavius Murray's uh, point total. <laughs> from when he had there was a two-week time span where he had uh where he was the running back one and he was the it was running back one because Kamara was out two games in, in New Orleans and he was the running back one by 10 points so 10 points more than the second best yeah. running back it's just you're smashing people right not you're, that I, not to get nostalgic one, one but who was the who was the running back on the Saints he used to be he was on Washington he was one Tim of those Hightower. Guys. Tim Hightower Tim the original one of them yes. Yes. yes yes okay yes. all right yeah, right. Tim Hightower. Like you go back and you look at there's all these stories of of guys that that again, it's isn't it's super common. So we could go we could do go on and on. But you see, I think last year, like what, 50 plus percent of the st- starting running backs had top 24 ADPs missed a game. Mm-hmm. And you start adding that up and just aggregating and aggregating that. Like it's like you just what you find yourself doing is if you're on if you're running back heavy versus being wide receiver heavy what you find yourself doing is every week you'll have it kind of an, you'll have options, right? Typically you'll have options. And if I'm playing tight end premium, I think the best way to blend it is take a bunch of tight ends and then take a bunch of running backs, because what will happen is you'll have an option. If you don't have one, I call them human hand grenades. If you don't have one of the human hand grenades, who's a running back that's coming into a starting situation in a week, you can start a tight end and tight end premium. 
Mm. Um, people get worried about that and they get worried about, well, if I, I need someone to start, like you can, you can pick a wide receiver off the waiver wire and start them typically, right? right? Like there's always an Amalata Zacchaeus who's going to get four targets. Absolutely. And somewhere. and honestly, if you're trying to pick between three of them on your roster, you're probably not going to pick right anyways. Right. Right? It's just a really hard, like it's because if one of them scores a touchdown, that's the game usually at right. that, at that value and that volume. Um, but, but the running backs, they offer some, really good upside. So what I find is that people roster too many wide receivers, right? And they roster them with the mistake of uh, thinking long-term and you should think long-term, but you should think long-term at the top of your roster, the bottom of your roster. You want to think functionality, right? Whether that's maybe there's a couple of wide receivers you think are, are due for a big opportunity increase, but there's like outside the top hundred guys to give you an idea outside the top hundred guys, I might only target at their cost, maybe like five or six guys a year mm. and, and, and dynasty. And in my leagues, like I might only roster four five, six wide receivers. Uh, Whereas a I, typical roster probably has eight and a half to nine. Right. 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 And it, and the typical roster almost always has more wide receivers than running backs. Um, I joke and we joke, uh, we have a subscriber chat at AOD and we joke that you can always tell if someone in the league is an AOD subscriber because they've got twice as many running backs as they do right. wide receivers, right? And that's that's the – I don't want to scare people, but that's where I get to. And, again, that's why we're trying to streamline stuff. That's why the, the target thing is really easy thing to shoot for. Right? Hey, if I can get four guys that can have 500 targets at wide receiver, I don't need much more than that, and I can figure it out – you know, I can figure it out later on. And – um you know, in, in terms of the long-term stuff, we can just kind of, pull, you know, play that out and deal from depth at running back and stuff. Wide receive, fixing wide receivers, one of the easier things to do because there's a big supply of them. You're more likely to have last year, for example, Boston Scott on your roster than you are Marquez Valdez-Scanlon. 100%. 100%. That's, that, that's an illustration of what you're talking about. Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams, like, dragged me to buys last year. He, he averaged, like, 18 points per game in the seven games that Clyde Edwards-Alaire wasn't in. And that includes a game where it was, like, the final week of the season where where he basically uh, didn't really play much. <laughs> like, like Daryl Williams yeah. dragged – like, would drag teams. And, again, it, it was – but it was crazy because it was Daryl Williams and then it was Madison. And what you start seeing is, is when you go back and look at that, those guys, when you sort of piece those weeks together, right? And I, I say that if you're – playing dynasty and you've got you know two running back spots uh, or let's just say you're trying to fill a flex right and you've got 14 weeks that you really need to fill that flex in the regular season mm-hmm. you don't need to know in may who it's going to be a lot of times you won't know in august who it's going to be heck you might not know until four minutes before the deadline who it's going to be right but if you give yourself a lot of options they'll sort themselves out and and what you'll see is Instead of playing, you know, the 50th best wide receiver, you're playing, if you're playing from depth at running back, six, seven, eight backups on your team and constantly updating them and saying, hey, maybe this guy's not the backup. This is a better situation. Constantly updating them. You're what you end up doing is you're starting top 15 running backs weekly in your in that flex spot versus a wide receiver four and you're crushing people, right? That's a win. That's at least a win difference over the, over the course of your roster. It it backs up. Yeah. I'm watching the comments come through and one of them is funny. And this is, this is illustrates what we're talking about. It's like, uh, here you go. 
uh, Clipboard G said, I need to know in May. He's right. Like there's that itch. You want the answer to your question. It's almost like a physical itch that you need to right. scratch and you need to see it in your lineup. Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. And if you go back and look at it, like I actually did a, I did a thing where I just, I wrote down, um, James Robinson, uh, it was, uh, well, Travis Etienne, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers all last year at this point would have looked like good lineup solutions. So would have Saquon Barkley. Um, so would have McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey. Like, I was going to say Christian McCaffrey. You know? right? Like keep doing it like Watson, right? Uh-huh. Like what, what happened with Watson? Trevor Lawrence, people were depending on. Justin Fields, Trey Lance. You I couldn't mean, pry the 1-1 from anyone's hands last right. year. Totally. And yeah. so, you know, what what the the – what the the secret is is that you don't know the answer and you don't know the like you just i think a lot of times is my bet is i want to be like i want to put myself in the best situation that when the when the question presents itself i have answers the and the the question hasn't presented itself in may the question doesn't present itself in in august and it doesn't really begin to present itself until you're getting into the season and playing Right. So right now, if I don't have like if I can't feel the legal lineup, which I can on all my teams, but if I couldn't for some reason, um, it's not it's not an existential problem because I can I can there's waiver wires, I can moves I can make, there's trades I can make. And I'm constantly trying to trade for stars. And by doing that, like I can fill in the rest of my roster along the way. And what you're what you'll find yourself surprised about is when you're making those deals for stars, you can actually get it kind of clouds out a little bit of some of the, the periphery of the deal. So you can get, you can do roster upticks on the side of those deals that are actually really helpful because that's not what people are staring at. So, you know, that there's all that stuff that you can figure out along the way. You don't have a need, you need good players in May. You don't need, you don't need a flex starter in week 11. And, and to illustrate that this year, I was just looking through one of my dynasty leagues that has like 30 deep, you know, like where there are 30 person roster. There's all, you know, those waiver wires are barren. Matt yeah. Breida, who's on the waiver wire right now, he could be the answer. Uh, he right. right now he's listed as the Giants RB2. We right. know Barkley hasn't stayed healthy. There could be week six. He could be projected as a top 15 running back and he's sitting on every waiver, most waiver wires right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And you yeah. think about like, there's other, like, just, just get, like, if you spend time actually going down your roster, I mean, guys like Deontay Foreman, totally available, right? Like, to, I mean, one of the things that we talked about with like rookie drafts, like Hassan Haskins, right? In the fourth uh, round of rookie drafts. This is my guy this year, by the way. If you're in a draft with me, everybody, they know that he doesn't get it out of the third round. I'm a yeah. Hassan Haskins because I have Derrick Henry almost everywhere. Right. So, but that aside, I would just take Haskins, like you said, totally like, run first team. A guy who 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 led who elite bench press two hundred thirty pounds six two, uh, poor man's Derrick Henry. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I love that play right there. That he highlights exactly what we're talking about at, for taxi squad stashes. So you know, let, let's yeah. get into it. We're you know, yeah. I, let, George, I could talk to you for five hundred hours. You know, let's do it. I, I love this I stuff, got but, all day. Yeah, and we'll and we'll we'll weave in and out of this stuff. But you know, the taxi. You know, everyone's always saying who's the next Elijah Mitchell. I think that's the wrong question to ask because nobody mm-hmm. knows. I mean, you can make mm-hmm. bets on it, but I think it's more important. The more important question to ask is who's this year's Khalil Herbert. Who's yeah. the guy that we could yep. stash in round four and round five. Maybe let's call it round three for our purposes. That is going to have two or three weeks to save our season. When things go wrong that we could put on the taxi squad that we should be proactively Haskins would be a good one, right? So we, we could start with him that I'll take that one, whatever. Mm-hmm. And Haskins is someone that you said is going routinely in the fourth round. But if you have that late third round pick, if you're picking at 310, I think it's perfectly okay to stash a guy like that in your taxi squad because you're not going to get him at 410. You know, some it's 
the momentum is building for him a little bit. So who who's someone that you're going to have one in the third, fourth, fifth round of your rookie drafts that you could stash in your taxi squad that could present Khalil Herbert like production in, in a two week window? Yeah. So that's a good, that's, I think a really good way to frame it. Um, yeah. I mean, I think in the third round you can get Tyrion Davis price. Uh, oh yeah. Can, no, readily. Anytime you want in the third or the first can, half, you can get Brian Robinson. This is incredible to me. You can get Brian Robinson in the third round. He has a, a real draft position median of three Oh one, which is insane. Like the past like 10 days. It's he crazy. goes later. Sometimes he goes three Oh three, three Oh four. Totally. And so those guys like they're, they're foundational pieces for me. Um, and so that would be like kind of where I would start. Um, I, again, then it becomes a little bit of what's the price point. Uh, so I mean, Zamir white after those guys, uh, he's going before them though. Right. He's like a late second round. That's the problem. He's going, he's going ahead of them. Uh, and then you get, um, Tyler Algier sometimes floats after them. So he's, he's moving he's up too. He's, I, I mean, I've seen him float right. into the early second round. I mean, I, I've heard that you guys talk about that, taking yeah. these, and that's my next thing we're going to talk about after that is like these, um, damn, like non, uh, non elite profile guys that are getting pushed up. But yeah. So how, how about someone that, like you said, that's routinely going in the fourth round that you're actively targeting for your taxi squad? Keontae Ingram. Mm for Arizona because that's a potential injury away spot that's open. Him and Eno Benjamin could compete for that. That's interesting. Um, Snoop cart, uh, excuse me, Snoop Connor. Connor yeah. Uh, for Jacksonville. I he don't goes know. Undrafted. He goes right. undrafted in a lot of leagues. Right. And, and the beauty about a guy like Snoop Carter is if Snoop, he, is it Snoop Connor or Snoop Carter? Snoop Connor. Well, I Connor, keep right. saying, I, yeah, I keep calling. Him I, right. I think so. I call him Snoop Carter. <laughs> I, I have done that. Yeah. I, I just I, I just keep Snoop, messing it up. Snoop Counter, Snoop. the fifth the fifth round running back on mm-hmm. the Jacksonville Jaguars was uh, right. James Robinson. Presumably won't play for the first two months at least. Right, at least. And we don't and we don't know like we both of those guys are injured, and so you look at a situation you're like all right, well, uh, like let's figure out a way that someone could weigh out produce their their cost. It doesn't take a ton to figure out in Jacksonville, hey, Travis Etienne's not on scholarship anymore. Again, I think he's a pretty good player, but we don't know. Right? We don't we don't know what that office, that front office, that coaching staff thinks about him. Well, we know what I guess the front office is. We don't know what the coaching staff thinks about him. So Connor's live outs in terms of that. Again, live outs doesn't necessarily mean I think he's going to finish as a running back one, but there's a potential there that he could be much more involved than we think again. And, and both those guys are coming off injuries in terms of ETN and uh, 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 um, James Robinson. Right. Yeah. And so we saw Carlos Hyde get carries in this. I know it's a different coach different everything, but we saw a running a third running back. And there's also a history on this team of undrafted or late pedigree guys having a role. James Robinson. To- totally. Totally. Um, So, yeah, I mean, those are guys that I think are interesting. I think Ingram's really interesting. I mean, one of the things that that I can't keep I can't quit out of my mind is the Kareem Hunt six and a half million dollar cap figure this year. Mm -hmm. He's due six and a half million dollars and none of it's guaranteed and they could save all of it by cutting him. Uh, I don't know if they will. Like they could operate with him on the team and, and be okay. But if they decide that they want to move on, a guy like Jerome Ford, mm. all of a sudden there's some contract uncertainty with Dearness Johnson. We'll I think it probably gets sort, sorted out, but we'll see. All of a sudden, Jerome Ford could be a guy that that 
I like that call because yeah. Kareem Hunt's actually a play. It's so rare running back gets like traded, but he's yeah. one of the, the players that could be traded in a Sony Michelle like fashion for a fifth round pick in the middle of the season. Or, you know, if a team, you know, if, if they see Jerome Ford and Dearness Johnson or ample, you know, good backups for Dick Chubb, you could see someone like Kareem Hunt actually get traded for value rather than just cut or dismissed, you know? So there's a a couple options there too. And then I like the Ford call there a lot because next year, right? I mean, if Hunt is gone and Dearness Mm -hmm. Johnson's on a one year, that leaves Ford. I mean, Nick Chubb's going to be there for the long term, presumably. Mm-hmm. So uh, then you're, and and Ford routinely goes in the fourth round. Like you yes. don't, you don't even have to reach for him. Um, sometimes into the fifth. Um, where are you at on uh, Kyron Williams, the running back that the uh, the Rams had? That he, you know, pre pre combine, he was like RB three in this class. Tests poorly doesn't mean he's any less. He's still the good football player he was. I've been getting him a lot. No, nobody seems to want him. Yeah, I tend to not like my 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 archetype or what I look for in a running back is big guys that can move and catch. So can he catch the football? You, is he a pass catching running back? Um, I can tell you right now. I got the. Yeah. Uh, I think he had some pretty good numbers at at, at Notre Dame, but, that, but he's falling to the last round. He's falling to the fifth round. Right, right, and so it becomes a question of like, what are you trying to accomplish for it? Uh, you know, do you think he's got a shot at being an injury away guy? Right. If that's true, that I mean, that has value, right? I mean, we, ev- nobody thinks Cam Akers looked healthy last year, right? So if we right. think that Cam Akers yeah. is already, you know, on shaky ground, Daryl uh, Henderson is just he he's locked to miss time. We saw Jake Funk get some carries last year. I mean, presumably. Kyron Williams at his, you know, he could be the Khalil Herbert in the sense where those other names that you named, I think those are the better bets, all of them. But now we're in the fifth round of our rookie draft where you're only looking at, you know, wide receivers, undrafted uh, UDFAs and, you know, Skylar Thompson and Brock Purdy type of quarterbacks going. So, I mean, nobody, like you said, I think there's, there's a stink on him, but there is a little bit of upside on a good offense. That's why... Kyron Williams, though, he wouldn't be my first choice. I still think that he's an injury away from an injury away, which we see presents itself sometimes. Yeah. And the best part about him, by the way, he like top 25 percentile or so in terms of yards per route round and targets per route round, which are two of the metrics that I look at. So, yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. you can qualify him as a good as a good pass catcher. Um, One of the things, too, that I think is important about this is your bet on Kyron Williams isn't a long term bet. Right. Your bet is you think that there's a there's a chance that he's the injury way guy, right? You think that there's you should treat him as such. Right. And that mm-hmm. is if if it gets to August and he's on a practice squad, cut him and pick somebody else up. Right. Recycle the recycle the roster spot and, and keep churning it. Right. Because on the back end of my roster spots, I, you should be cycling through them consistently. Right. Because you get more information. And I joke that last year, like I might have rostered a different Pittsburgh running back every week as the backup running back. McFarland, Snell. Yeah. Kalen Balaj at one point. Right. Right. And you're kind of like looking at it and you're like, oh, like maybe this usage means this thing. And again, it was free. So you're just sort of, you you know, you just keep sort of cycling through them. But but that's the stuff that we do. Like I joke, let's we're like maniacal about it. Right. Like you go through each week and you try and figure out what running backs uh, situations are a little bit different. What more information that we know. And then you, you update your teams, you make your waiver claims and all that stuff. That's really, this is what you're sort of setting up to do. So Kyron Williams is one of those guys, like if, 
and this is why I think it's really important to go running back instead of wide receiver in that spot uh, is because you're tempted to hold on to the wide receiver, right? Whereas you'd be like, well, it's going to, you know, it's a longer term bet. It's not, you don't want to make long-term bets with the 28th spot on your roster. You want to make really short-term bets. Like you want that to be a, that you want that to be a carousel, not a, not something that's set in stone. You know what you said the other day on your podcast? I thought was the this is the way that it hit home for me because yeah, of course in practice I think I know that, but when I pick when I draft somebody, I have this bias that I drafted them. I can't cut them. Yeah. But what you said the other day on your pod that just think of your fourth and fifth round pick as glorified waiver wire pickups. Yes. I think that made me shift my thinking because yeah. a waiver wire pickup, I'll cut you and drop you three times in the same season. T- totally. Right. And yeah. that's the, that's the thing. That's the, and you have to be super careful about here. Cause again, we're talking about, go back to some of the psychology stuff. You're super biased on, Oh, I made this investment. I don't want to cut a loss. Right. Well, if you understand that third and fourth round wide receivers, their purpose is what their purpose is. If you understand that, that they're, they are situational bets, right? We, we were talking just this week about how, people make situational bets in the first and the second round of drafts where really what you should be doing is drafting profiles there and you should be making your situational bets in the third and the fourth, because you don't want to hang on to them if you're wrong, because you're going to be wrong a lot uh, in that range. Like right. your, your odds of hitting in the, the third round are like 20%. So you uh, il- illustrate the point here because all right, at one, just say you're on the clock at 110, 111, 112, yeah. mm-hmm. and you're looking at Damian Pierce or Jahan Dotson. First round wide receiver versus fourth round running back. This is there's no better illustration of profile versus situation than that, right? Right. You take Dotson every time, and I'm not even a big that doesn't happen wide receiver guy. That doesn't happen. Just so you know, it's the the, the ADP is the other way around. It's Pierce crazy. is ahead of Dotson. Right. It, that's see that or, to me is it's 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 wild because what you're doing is you're betting a situation, right? And we actually went back and I looked. Three percent of fourth round running backs have hit in year one for a top 24 seasonal finish and that's not good right and and so and like he he's rowing upstream by the way like people just want to discount rex burkhead and they just want to discount marlon mack that is not rex burkhead is a is a tough guy to put away in terms of winning he's frank gore he's frank gore yes you cannot kill him off he's like the terminator in uh you know in the original or terminator 2 yeah kill that guy gets back up again yeah. And so I think it's, it's tough. Whereas like you take a guy like Dotson and you're just saying, all right, like, Hey, I'm, I'm sort of, I understand this thing about first round wide receivers is that, that they're largely random outcomes. We could try and pick situations. I mean, if you tried to pick situations in the Justin Jefferson class, you would have came out with Justin Jefferson is probably having the worst quarterback uh, with Kirk cousins. And that, that was when Carson Wentz imploded, Dak got hurt and uh and denver's situation all fell apart right so so all of a sudden like actually kirk cousins was the right answer we didn't realize that at the time but he was vanilla he was vanilla ice cream but vanilla ice cream is nobody hates vanilla or just plain chocolate ice cream you know right and it's hey it's better it's at least he was frozen vanilla ice cream right the other (laughs) guys dripping down your dripping down your arm melted the the melted stuff (laughs) and the like running into a sewer um so yeah i mean that's like we we're not great at sorting those situations out the key to it is price point which again when you're comparing first round price point to fourth round running back you take the first round you take the first round wide receiver 
this happens every year. There's a first round pedigree wide receiver that fall for some reason. Dynasty players don't value as a first round pick. This year it's Jahan Dotson. Uh, last Tony, year it was Kadarius Tony. Brandon Ayuk. That's it. I mean, yeah. you know, so it's just, it's, it happens every year. It just if and the funny part is, is people will like a lot of people will say about my strategy when they sort of think about it. It's like, well, you're not taking you know you, know, you don't have any young wide receivers, which isn't actually true. What ends up happening is I just have we take the last of them. Like, all right, everyone else wants to try and sort them out and be really aggressive. We'll just sort of collect stuff along the way, you know. Mm. And that's one of the things that that taking late shots on guys like Dotson and and Tony, um, instead of paying up high in the round, right? That's Amin kind of Rob. the way that we balance the roster. So yeah, yeah, and and you know, Amon Rob would be another example. Again, he mm-hmm. didn't have the high pedigree, but you know, yeah. every, everyone liked him. Everyone thought he was a second round value wide receiver that fell to the fourth round. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so there's always going to be guys like that. And, you know, I just want to talk for just shift for a minute to uh, startup strategy because, sure. you know, this is, I, I've been doing, I'm one of these people who do startups since December. Like we start them, you know, but mm-hmm. how many dynasty leagues are you in right now? Um, 30. About. Yeah. Me, I'm at 29. I'm at 20. Yeah. And it's not. And by the way, uh, uh, it's uh, my name is Alan Zislowski and I'm an addict. You know, first step <laughs> is admitting it, you know, like yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. not proud of this. This is, I don't wear this with a badge of honor. I wear this with a badge of shame, but I can't help myself. You know, uh, and, 29. I take that back. 29. Uh, okay. All right. All right. So, I got to get up to 30. So I'm in the right. middle one right now. So, I mean, and you know, it's, it's, there is a sense of relief when some of these things fall off when like, you know, I remember back in the day, I'd do anything to get, to keep my dynasty together. But if there's one that's kind of like on the peripheral and people are starting to back out of it, I'm like, Hey, I'm good either way. Cause I never want to be the guy that says I want to kill a dynasty league. But mm-hmm. I, when these a couple of these leagues fall off, I'm never uh, upset. All right. So startup strategy for this podcast, cause these are hardcore dynasty uh, viewers right here. Mm-hmm. We're always going to assume super flex. Let's assume some form of a tight end premium one five or whatever, but how do you, and I know it depends on where you draft in a, uh, a snake draft, but what's your overall dynasty philosophy? What are you doing? What are you trying to do in the first five rounds? Trade up for an elite quarterback. If not, get two of them. Um, I just did that. I was at the turn. I drew one, one twelve and 201, and I made a strong push to get into the top three. Um, and I mean, because those guys make a difference, right? Again, we talk about, we talk about, a lot of the uncertainty stuff. Well, what's the most certain if we're sitting here and it's May 20th, what's the most certain thing that we can say that, that good quarterbacks are probably going to be good. So that's what I have. My first note here. It was a quote from your podcast. It says right here, good quarterbacks stay good. That's what I wrote down. Right. And, and you know what, if you get two of them, if you get two really good ones, uh, you'd be surprised at how tough it is to be bad. And again, it allows you to make a lot of mistakes. Again, I'm not aiming to make mistakes, but it's very forgiving, right? This is a team where you know, we're in the NBA playoffs right now, and I think a lot of dynasty mirrors what happens in the NBA. Uh, and so I love like this time of year because we're post rookie drafts and a lot of NBA stuff. And so, and I get into a writing cycle, so this is like fun. Uh, but you look like the team that makes 22 threes, right? They're gonna win, right? right. Like th- they can get out rebounded, they can turn the ball over a whole bunch, right? Like you looked at when Golden State was like awesome like they turned the ball over like it was like they were just yeah. given to charity and but it didn't but matter because they were two for 18, one of you every position, yeah. in a game and it's like you can't like you're screwed and right. that's that's the thing about quarterbacks right it's it's you can make you can have problems like you can you can 
you know, struggle through wide receiver issues. You can have all these other issues, but your quarterbacks are both a floor raiser and a ceiling raiser. And if you have two elite ones, and I, I have a group that I call Supermax guys, um, and they're a little bit different, right? The, what qualifies for Supermax is a, it's longevity oh, let, based. Let's go over them. It's Mahomes. Yeah. It's Josh Allen. I, yeah. I would put Justin Herbert in there. I mean, yep. so who else it's, belongs in that club? It's Allen, Herbert. Uh, Mahomes. Sorry, it's Allen, Mahomes, Herbert, uh, Deshaun Watson. And, uh, and and by the way, he's not thought of in that circle. Like he is. He, he should be. Yeah, but I'm saying in the startups yeah. I go to, he doesn't really go in the first round. A couple of sharp players will take him at pick right. 12 or 9 or 7 or whatever, yeah. but but he goes to that second round a lot. Yeah, and then Dak Prescott is the last one. That's right. So it's a blend of it's a blend for me, it's a blend of what you've accomplished versus what your security is. Mm. That's it. And then the last one is actually Matt Stafford. So there's six of them. Uh and so I want to have if I can I absolutely want to have one of them. And if I spend a lot of my time trying to get a second one, whether it's Stafford, you don't even need to trade up for though, which is nice. Yeah. And so it's funny, this one I traded, I actually traded up for Mahomes. What'd you have to pay? Because I think uh, that's, that's the thing is like a lot of times I get in these drafts. Someone wants my, my second, my third, like I'm not giving up all this stuff. They want my first next year. They want all these things. So what do you think is the right price? I, I, as a general rule, I'll almost do whatever they want as long as I don't have to give future picks. That's generally my rule. That's that's not. I would be careful about maybe problematizing that or right. or putting well, that on a sign because there's a little bit more nuance to it. But generally speaking, I will say yes to a trades like that, even if it seems like I'm giving up a lot when I don't have to give up future picks. So okay, this I is move, the typical. It's you have to give up your th- startup value, third, fifth, and eighth round pick. Would you do that for to to not swap with him to go to get the one, one or one, two. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's uh, a three, five and an eight. Yes. Yeah. I would. Okay. Um, I gave up uh two Oh one, three, 12 and five, 12, um, which I'm in sort of that fourth, fifth round range right now. And it's really boring for me. I'll just say that. <laughs> um, uh, but I get, but I got one Oh two and then I got seven Oh two and nine Oh two. And so the trick is for me, I, I, the way I view this, the difference between 708 and 512 is not very much. And it's pretty small in terms of what your expectations are. And so you're basically trading the 13th and what is that? The 36th spot mm-hmm. up to go to two. Right? That's kind of how I view this. Right? There is a difference between 702 and, and 512, but it's not that big. And there's a decent chance that the person that you would take at 512 is there at 702. And so... That's kind of how I view that. That's not really a difference maker. What I'm really doing is paying those that second and third to go to one to go to two and get a difference maker. And if you did that in existing leagues, you're going to you're going to say yes to the deal typically. Um, And so and, and then it allows you to do a lot of other things, because then fortunately and I didn't know this, obviously, when that happened, but. Thankfully, I did the deal because Watson and, and uh, Prescott were both off the board when I got to 12. And so I would have really been in a pickle of like, all right, now what do I, you know, and then I would have had to really pivot my strategy. And that's not like I, I had it written down and I actually write down notes of like, if this happens, then what do I do? And like an emergency break glass situation is, is Brady, you know, it's Rogers in the fourth, right? Like you sort of, I have those in place, but that's not what I want to do. And I didn't think I would have that, but it, that's looks like what would have happened had I, had I stayed put. So I'm glad that I did it. 
Um, and then, you know, so that allows you to make a lot of other things. And then the best part is it gives you security, right? Because now I'm there, I'm at 112 and I'm like, it's too early to take Stafford. Right. I could do it. I, I would, I would, he would be the next person that I would take, but I don't need to let's move down. And then I, I moved down from 112 to 204 picked up a second and then I did it again. I moved from right. 204 to I think 207 got another second and then I got Stafford. So what did I do? I went up and got an elite guy and then I sort of knew exactly the price point to fall to for my other guy for Stafford. And I collected additional assets, right? Like yeah. that's kind of, that's the perfect, again, that that's like the perfect way to thread the needle and it's hard to do that, but that's, that's, that was the goal. And that's what I accomplished. Though I agree with you about Dak. I think you're on a little bit of an Island because in the, the leagues where I was, you know, picking at the 12th overall pick, the one twelve, like he seems to be falling there at mm-hmm. times like 110 112 so that that's interesting too and then stafford because the sleeper or the mfl where we play it says that he's 34 years old people stay away from that too so that that's a good way to extract value but obviously we look at contract insulation to determine uh, a big piece of our value and with a fresh contract both of those guys you're you're in that three four window and you know i always say yeah. you know i always laugh when people say oh i'm gonna have this guy for 10 years yeah we could all be dead in 10 years you know like, totally like ha- 10 i'd laugh and i it, it's Dynasty is best played in two to three year windows. We know that. And sure, with the with that elite supermax tier that you call them, we could play it in a four or five year window. I have no yeah. problem with saying I'm gonna have Patrick Mahomes for four or five years. Right. Uh all right, I got a couple more lightning rounds. You know, usually we we stop this podcast at 55 minutes, but I'm right. having too much no no, I'm having too much fun <laughs> with you, George. If you don't mind, I can keep going. I, mean, I can keep going. Because I, I think this going. is of real utility to our listeners. I mean, you know, I always you guys have a hard one hour limit too that Joe gives you, right? He tries mm-hmm. to tell you to keep it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I could, you know, like I said, when, when your episode ends, I always get upset, you know? So, <laughs> all right, here we go. So a couple lightning round questions. Um, some ADP things I don't understand. Um, people are drafting the jets two young wide receivers early, but they hate Zach Wilson in leagues. How, and then the same thing applies to the two Miami receivers, Waddle and Tyree kill, but two is QB 16, QB 15. Explain these phenomena. What's out of balance here with this two situations? Uh, good question. Um, I, I, I'm very skeptical of paying up for unproven quarterbacks. Um, and when you look at, I actually did a study from the 2021 edition of AOD. And it was like, when you looked at quarterbacks uh, who, or I'm sorry, it was this AOD. It was the 2022 edition of AOD. And just for um, those listening, AOD is Jordan's website, Analytics of Dynasty. It's linked yep. in the video description below. Yep. And I have a, I come out with a yearly guide that comes out and it's, it's basically evergreen content, but it studies this sort of stuff. Like it's meant to understand this question when it comes up. Right. So that way we sort of have, we can go to the library of AOD and be like, okay, in this, in this pattern, this is what's happening. Um, generally speaking, quarterbacks that haven't hit yet are of this bad. Explain path. what a hit is. Explain what a, a top, hit. A, a hit. I consider a hit a top 12 seasonal finish. Okay. And so if a quarterback hasn't finished with a top 12 seasonal finish, they're, much less likely to do so than a quarterback who has finished with a top 12 seasonal finish at about the same price. Right. So for example, when you start looking at ADP, you know, just look at a guy like uh, Derek Carr, or Kirk cousins versus a, a rookie in that range or a second round guy that hasn't hit. And generally speaking, the rule of thumb is that the guy that has done it before is expected to outproduce the guy that hasn't done it before. Um, and there's a lot of things that go into that, but that's the general rule. And so one of the things with a guy like Zach, like I actually think Zach Wilson, if you're going to take a bet on like a quarterback three bet, see, this is the interesting thing is right. Like you talk about team building. Well, what, what 
team construct is, is Zach Wilson fit in? He fits in as a really good quarterback three where you have two good ones, right? Like, and again, this is the fun part about like when you go build like a Mahomes centric team or a Josh Allen centric team, you could do a lot of different things on the back end of the roster. Right? Like you can do your quarterback three can be an upside shot, which I typically don't do, but it can be an upside shot because you're safe generally speaking at the top of the board. Right. So um, if you have Mahomes, Allen or or Herbert, you can have a little bit more risk and just understand that you might have to cycle through. You might have to pick up a Marcus Mariota, you know, a little bit later on, just yeah. so Mitch Trubisky or whatever. Right. I got you. Okay. Right. So if I go if I go Mahomes Stafford, I can my quarterback 3 instead of be like, all upside. All upside. Like Derek Carr isn't a good quarterback 3 in that situation. Mm-hmm. Right? Because he's we're, we're redundant. What I think is is useful is taking a shot on a guy like Zach Wilson, because if you're right, like if the market's going to be right on one of these things, he's either not good or his guys are good, right? Like it's going to be tough for one of those things to be, you know, it's going to be tough for, for, for his guys to be good and him to be bad. Right? it's, that's going to be a tough accomplishment. So I, I think taking him as a, is an interesting shot. Same with Tua. I don't want Tua as my quarterback too, but listen, if I'm going to, if I have two good ones and Tua is in a range where it's like, all right, there's a lot of other sameness. And this is what happens in drafts. There becomes a lot of sameness at wide receiver and running back and really at tight end. If you look at some of these quarterback situations and you're like, that looks different than everything else on the board. That's probably a place that you should pick. That would sort of be how I'd sort them out. So I wouldn't want them quarterback twos, but if I'm strong, I'm willing to take that risk at quarterback three. You kind of have to though. In super flex drafts, especially like if you're a super flex, if you're a dynasty super flex player and you're playing in January, February, March, April, a lot, there's there's a lot of sharp players in there, or at least players that really understand the value of the quarterback. So, you know, Tua, I saw someone trade up into round three for him. Again, that's a little early for my Saw that this week. I saw that this week. Yeah, it it happens because the quarterback run, every draft is a micro market, as you know. So in some drafts, you'll be able to get Derek Carr in round four and five. In some drafts, he's going on the two, three turn. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so you have to really adjust to that market. So I think in Superflex leagues, you're probably forced to take Tua as your quarterback too. I mean, if you're talking, if, you know, once you get into your third quarterbacks, I think you're lucky to get Matt Ryan. I think you're lucky to get some of the older guys that are perceived, you know, Carson Wentz. Right. Things like that. I think that's a little bit more realistic. So are you still comfortable if you have um, a max contract quarterback one? Are you still like, what do you aim for at quarterback in these startup drafts as your second guy? I Give want two cost. elite ones. Like if I can get two, I, my goal is to have two Superman yeah. guys. If I okay. can get that, you know, so Russell Wilson would be like a really good two as well. He's not technically, he doesn't qualify for Supermax because of his contract stuff, but he otherwise would. Um, You're saying, you know, cause he's too, he's, he's projected he's to make, establish. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's, uh, but I'm saying he's projected to make on his next contract, $50 million a year, fully guaranteed four years. I mean, that's what's yeah. happening. So right. you're saying that's a deterrent for you. Um, if he does get that. So no, it would be good, but he hasn't good. got it yet. So he's right. basically, it's two years, like kind of 51 million, I think was the last I checked mm-hmm. was kind of like what he's owed right now. But if he and got the four year guaranteed, you'd be in on him in the, in that soup, in that yeah. max tier. Yep. He'd be basically. And, and the reason that I don't have him there right yet is because there's enough questions about him about like, huh, it didn't end great in Seattle the past like year or so. And some of that was probably injury, but listen, if he goes to Denver and plays well, he's going to get a max and he's going to get a big contract and 
that answers that question for me. But I think there's enough uncertainty coming at, from him coming out of Seattle that you wonder if his injury, is he starting to break down? Is he slowing down? Like there's some of the stuff that is around him that I think is reflected in some of the contract uncertainty. So I'm hesitant to sort of put him in that elite, elite tier, but I have him right after that. And he's not priced in the elite tier either, Correct. which is great. I mean, Correct. if you're if you took Herbert, um, Josh, uh, Josh Allen, or Mahomes one, two, or three, there's a chance you don't need to do a thing, and Russell Wilson falls right into your lap this Correct. In, in round two. Correct. All right. Um, you mentioned earlier you're talking about Jordan of five years ago and what how you uh, operated in dynasty leagues. What do you think five years from now, three years from now? You're, is going, you're going to look back on and say, why did we do it that way? I mean, it's so hard to predict because we don't know. We think we're doing everything right. But how do you th- where do you think Dynasty is going? What do you think we can improve on at, as players that you're looking into? Because I know you're always forward thinking. So mm-hmm. what do you think the next edge? Because really, information used to be an edge. We used to all go to you know our favorite news website, Rotowire, Rotoworld, whatever it mm-hmm. was. Now information, everybody has it. So what do you think the next edge is, how we can – uh, take advantage of our leapings data. Um, and so it's, I think it's a lot of it's having better data. Uh, so like, for instance, like we have a dynasty trade database that you can search through and get tons of ideas. And there's stuff in there that, again, that's where the juju thing came from. And I would have never in a million years, I wouldn't have thought to make a, con- a, a trade like that, an offer like that. Cause I didn't think it would be, who was going to do that? Put that stuff like it, it prompts you to make ideas, right? Having access to to better data. Um, I think expected points is a huge thing, right? Mm-hmm. PFF has a metric called expected points, and and give me the layman's turn. Like, what is an expected point? How how what's the right. what's the meat of that metric? Uh, basically, like if you're targeted on the on the your own twenty yard line, it's not super valuable, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're the likelihood you score a touchdown is pretty low, right? So it's it's not that so it's gonna have a low expected point of right. your if 70 percent of your targets are you know nowhere near scoring position correct and, and then you look at, but what happens is is you you see things so you'll see things like for example the uh jamar chase jamar chase is like a touchdown over like he's like seven points over his expected points last year and all that is most of that is long touchdowns. And so you look at that situation and you're like, okay, there's an efficiency here. That's just not going to happen. Like that's probably not going to happen. And we don't have a ton of sample on, I think it's like three or four years old, that, that stuff, but mm. you just look at stuff that doesn't repeat like fluky long touchdowns tend not to repeat. And right. so you get a lot of concern about that for a situation like him. So, um, so that's something that I think is there. Um, I think there's better quarterback stuff that we'll probably learn too. I don't necessarily know what that's going to look like, but I have a feeling like we'll get to that. Um, some of that stuff here going forward as well. All right. Um, we're going to wrap up here in a minute, but I, I have, a, so you know, we talked about having quarterbacks is such an advantage in these super flex leagues. That's why, you know, in these drafts, these rookie drafts I've done, I, I think, and I'm sure there's other, other people that are high on Kenny Pickett. Now you don't, you love the first round draft pedigree, usually outside the top 10 gets a little shaky. You end yep. up in, you could end up in Dwayne Haskins territory. People aren't yep. as attached to it, but don't you think that, um, pour one out right but don't you think that people should be considering him as pick two or pick three in super flex leagues just based on you know you drive the car off the lot and so often it it depreciates in value quarterbacks if kenny pickett's bad i'm saying if he's not a good quarterback he's likely to get two years worth of starts right i yeah i mean what's rare right what's rare in this class first round quarterback yeah and you just simple supply and demand when there's a small supply of something it should be more expensive 
And mm. for me, like I said at 105, and I was like, I think the answer is Kenny Pickett. Like, I don't have a great. It's know, higher. I, I, I think, see, I would take him as 102, 103 if yeah. I, you know. Yeah, because I mean, if you if you're if you, if that's your position, I totally I respect that because I think it's different. But if you're looking at it, you're like ah, London, you know, they, they look a lot of you know. I can't really pick between the wide receivers. Like the only thing that's different after Hall and how you think about Walker is Pickett, right? Like I actually think it's very different because he's probably a lesser version of Mac Jones. Is would be how I think about him. He went later sure. on in Mac Jones in a worse class, um, but like it, there's no other guys right like the, he's the guy and so you mm-hmm. think about like that from a price point like he's probably more expensive this year but that's probably a good reason why you trade that pick for an established quarterback right but think about it like this, this is how what i was positioning it to people if you were to rank if if somehow magically your software allowed kenny pickett to be ranked as a wide receiver sorry to be have wide receiver eligibility and you're doing your weekly rankings your seasonal rankings mm-hmm. what kenny pickett playing quarterback would be wide receiver what 16 14 yeah. Right? right. I mean, if he has a bad fantasy week, it's going to be 13 points, 11 points, 15 points. And that's yeah. like a ter- now if he has an average week, he's going to have 17, 18 points. And if he has a good week. So that's what I'm saying is that when you have the ability to, you know, one, have an insulated player and a player where, you know, it, like I don't this happened with Daniel Jones. I was taking Daniel Jones in rookie drafts at one, six, one, eight. Mm-hmm. And what I realized is most rookie drafts, he was going in the middle of the second round, you know, totally. And he was a better example because he was a top 10 quarterback. And look, we're still in what year three he was at year four for him. And, and he hasn't played well from an NFL standpoint. And he's still, you know, going to be a player that you're going to be putting in your lineup if you're in super flex league. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Couple other things and we'll end it here. Lightning round stuff. Um, I'm having some decisions to make. I'm just, I'm just hoping these are totally selfish decisions, but people need to, uh, you know, the Vellis Jones, like, you know, how he's basically a grandpa at 25 years old. Um, are you taking him in rookie drafts? I mean, he's probably one of the more likely guys to produce when you talk about round three wide receivers. I know you're going running back in most of those spots, but you know, him he, versus- I have a decent share in like round four. Cause you just look at it. You're like, all right, he's a day two wide receiver. And that's like comparing okay. against. Yeah. So I should have a decent amount, even though that's not typically something I do. Okay. So, uh, so again, we know that running backs are your preferred way to build your roster around three round four, but sometimes you're going to be forced to take a wide receiver. Yeah. Who are some of the other wide receivers that you're looking at? Clear, uh, clear Shakir, like give me one or two names that if you're have to take a wide receiver there, even though that's not your preferred method that you're okay taking it back. Cause you know, you end up with a lot of Josh Palmers where you don't even know mm-hmm. what to do with them the second right. year, but so who would be a couple guys? He's uh, he's basically the guy. Justin Ross, I've done a bunch in the third round too, right. just because I think he's a clear answer. I'll know one way or another whether or not he's going to be productive. So he, those have really been the two guys that I've been doing that with this year. All right. Yeah. Uh, I'm with Jordan McNamara, uh, football guys, analytics of dynasty, uh, all his links in the video description below. And if you're listening to this podcast, I implore you, if you want to just become a better dynasty player, I would listen to Jordan's podcast. You'll you'll instantly start thinking about the game differently. I, I'm doing all this for you, Jordan, because you can't say it yourself. You just, uh, but Jordan's podcast is moving over to a new feed. Pre- uh, previously, they were on the Football Guys podcast feed. They're, I think, smartly moving it over. Fine, you get the the bump of the uh, mass subscribers on the Football mm-hmm. Guys feed. But this is ne- you guys have built enough now where it's time to carve out your own little thing. So I'm going to put the link in the video description below of the new feed. Jordan will still be for two more weeks until uh, in the month of May on that podcast, on the football guys podcast feed, but he's going to have his own 
starting on June 1st. I said I did all the promo for you, right? Yeah, you did it. It's actually- <laughs> you can tell I pay attention, right? Yeah, yeah, you do. <laughs> it's, it's working. It's good to know. It's it's good to know we're in it. We're working. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. No, totally. Yeah. Yep. And you know what I think is? I think you're also uh, the, the podcast you do with Chad is I think a lot of content creators are are consuming your content, too. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that you're helping everybody. You're elevating the game of Dynasty. I mean, people that I have on this podcast, when they gave me the Dynasty podcast on the Rotowire feed, I just said, like, I'm a fan of podcasts. I just want to have the guys on that I want to talk to and I want to ask the questions to that I would ask you during your podcast. Yeah. Yep. What else do you want to promote before we get you out of here? Um, Give them them your Twitter. uh, At McNamara Dynasty. And I I have it linked in there, too. I did the new owner, the new GM guide, too. So if you're new to Dynasty or you're just starting Dynasty or anything like that, go check it out. It's free. Um, And then you can go get the 2022 edition of AOD. That'll that'll really uh, help you as well. Again, I have Dynasty Daily Podcast at analyticsdynasty.com. You can check that out with a subscription as well. Yeah, Jordan, th- this was fantastic. We're going to hopefully have you back um, this year when, you know, in between once you settle into the season and and get some more kind of updates on what on strategy midseason, because I think what happens with Dynasty podcasts is we, you know, we have the we love the offseason, right? Because yep. all the offseasons where all the movement happens. But there is edge to be gained in season, especially as what we talked about in the beginning of the podcast. Teams throw in that white towel a little bit too early, the two and three teams, the two and four teams. So there's some edge to be had there. All right. Yep. Uh, Jordan and I are going to go now but we're going to figure out um uh, a trade cast that we're going to do so we might be back uh, i'll retweet it from the rotowire feed stay tuned if you're on social media uh, i'll be retweeting jordan and i and come back and talk some trades uh, it may not be live so we'll figure it out do we do it live jordan or it'll not? be next it- week it'll come out next, next thursday okay all right next so I'll, I'll link all that stuff on our social as well all right buddy we'll see you next week with another rotowire dynasty fantasy football This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.